All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're grateful. We come before you today with a grateful heart and ask that you would speak to each one of us today. Lord, that you would remind us how much we have to be thankful for. You would fill our hearts with gratitude. Lord, I pray, uh, too, that you would just uh, help me to think through and share well what you've given to me, that it wouldn't be me, that as we read your word, that your word would come alive and we'd hear you speak to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So you guys have heard, count your blessings, right? I mean, it's almost cliche going into Thanksgiving, but some of you have done it, and it's like a really good exercise that somewhere along the way as you make a list of things you're thankful for, as you get halfway down that list, or you get four or five items in that you really truly begin to be grateful and thankful, and it may be just this week, you're thankful for the idea, maybe you love a Thanksgiving meal and having your family around the table, and you're grateful for that. It may be something simple like, hey, you get a day off because everybody's off, right? Or at least almost everybody. Or um, it may be something trivial, but maybe not, like a new tennis racket or golf club or whatever. Or maybe your job or your car or your house. But we have these things that at one point we wanted and now we have, and how grateful are we for them, right? And then especially... I think as we think about our family, as we think about our parents, and we think about our friends, and we think about our spouse and our kids, that our gratitude begins to swell. When we just slow down and begin to focus on the many gifts that we've been given. As I was thinking about this, I thought about a um, long time ago, probably in the mid, mid to late 90s, um, I was in sales. And for those that don't know, I sold forklifts, electric forklifts. And so one of our suppliers, we had some suppliers that provided batteries. The battery is a big two to 3,000 pound thing that kind of serves as a counterweight in the forklift, but also provides power. And it's 3,500, in some cases, five or $6,000 for a battery. And so these guys would call on us and try to get us to buy their batteries. And some forklifts, like in two and three shift environments, when you buy a forklift, you buy two or three batteries to go with it. So you're using one, charging one, and one's resting. And you're constantly changing them out. Hey, and the great thing is you can sell them battery changing stations too. So anyway, um, this guy's coming and he's calling on me and he's heard kind of through the grapevine that my mom had passed away. Now, a lot, at this point, probably a couple of years, we're probably a couple of years removed from that, but his mother had just passed away. And so he wanted, you know, we, he t- kind of told me who he was and we got to know each other a little bit and he goes, hey, listen, I heard your mom passed away. And I was sorry to hear that. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, my mom just passed away. And I said, oh, man, I'm really sorry, you know, that, that you're going through that. And I, I get it, and I understand. And, and so he began to talk, and he just was angry. Like, he was very upset that if there was a God, that God would allow this to happen to him. Right? And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, well, my perspective's a little different. When I was five, my mom got breast cancer, right? And um, so she, was, she had surgery, and the best breast cancer was gone for 20 years. And then it came back when I was in my mid-20s, and she fought it for about three years, and then she passed away. But when I look back, like, I'm grateful, right? Because my life, our lives would have been remarkably different had I lost her at five. Right, And so I had this gratitude, and I'm thankful 
And this guy, I didn't help him at all, right? He was still pretty angry. And I said, well, you know, I think you need to think about the things that you're grateful for. Like, what are you, 32 or three? And he said, yeah. I said, that's a long time to have a mom. Was your mom a great mom? So he told me a little about his mom. I said, yeah. I said, you know, I said, unless you have some kind of contract that I'm not aware of, like I don't have one, but if you've got some kind of deal or guarantee that you're supposed to live a set amount of years and your parents are supposed to live a set amount of years and your kids are, then every day is a gift, right? Well, he didn't like, he didn't like that. <laughs> but that's the reality, right? And what I learned in that moment and kind of as he left and I reflected on it and thought about it was we can be grateful or we can get bitter and angry as we deal with circumstances, And so there's this call. So today, as we go through what we're going through today, I've got three points for you if you're taking notes. There's a call on us to have a grateful heart. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. Second thing is that how do we develop or move to a grateful heart? Maybe from an expectation or some sense of entitlement to a place of gratitude. And the last thing is I'm going to talk about what we can be thankful for. Right, And so those are the three things we're going to talk about today. So there is this call on us in Scripture. And like curiously, all commands, God's way, is good for us. Right, When he asks us to do something, like you heard Jay talk last week about worship. He doesn't need our worship, but it's good for us when we worship him. The same way to be thankful, to be grateful, that's good for us, right? That's, that's, there's a, I read in Harvard's medical page, I hope you're impressed with that, um, but I did a little Google search and um, I found this study that they were citing from the University of Pennsylvania, um, the Wharton Business School, that their um, director of fundraising, that's not the right title, but whatever, the people that help them raise money, they get a group of telemarketers in, and they just, so the Wharton Business School wanted to do a study to find out what difference gratitude makes. So this director met with half of the fundraisers and not with the other half. And when she met with them, she said, I want you to know how grateful we are for y'all, how much we appreciate what you're doing, and it makes a difference, and that if you don't make these calls, we're going to get this level of contributions because of who we are and because of our reputation and because people know us. But what we found is when you make these calls, we make this much. And this is what we do with the difference. And this is why it's important for the job that you're doing, right? So she assigned to them, and she told the, the impact that we're going to have, but also she told them how grateful she was for them. And do you know that that group had 50% more effort they made 50% more calls. They had 50% better success, um, I think, if I remember the article correctly. But it had an impact. So gratitude that the Lord asks us to have, as, you, as we hear these verses, and you see them and read them today, it comes with this idea that, you know, let's never forget, like, we're reading the manual by the master, and he's telling us how we work best. Okay? So Psalm 116, 16 to 17 say this, O Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant, born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call in the name of the Lord. So isn't this like typical and common for us as believers? And, and I don't mean it 
in any kind of a condescending way, but I mean, like, we have an experience with the Lord that's awesome and it's overwhelming. And we say, like, oh, Lord, I, would, I will be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord. Like, I, you can use me as a doormat. Like, I just want to be around you. You're so good and I love you so much and so thankful for what you've done in my life, right? And then the opportunity to serve him comes, right? And we're like, I don't have time for that. Or I, those people treated me like, like what, a doormat? Right? And that's what we do. We think, I'll be this, and then when we get the opportunity to be that, we struggle with our gratitude. That's why I love how he says, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It is a sacrifice, right? Because circumstances always aren't what they want them to be, but in response to his hand in our life, it's to be grateful and to be thankful, to give up. Basically, I'm sacrificing my complaining, right? And my sense of expectation and what I deserve. Let's look at Psalm 50. This is David speaking for God, I believe, where he says, I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer, but I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own, a cattle on, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God, and keep the vows you made to the Most High. It's kind of like, again, what Jay said last week. The Lord doesn't need anything from us but he responds to gratitude. He responds to faith. He responds to this idea that we acknowledge him and know that he's at work in our lives, right? And I mean, that makes sense for the parents in the room especially, right? You, don't you love it when your kids are grateful? And don't you not when they're not, right? Okay, just so that we know this gratitude isn't an Old Testament idea from 1 Thessalonians. I could have gone to Ephesians 5.20, but 1 Thessalonians 5.16 to 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Like, do you see and hear the command? Like, he wants us to be grateful. He wants us to be thankful. So, how do we move to this grateful heart? How do we get there? Um, when I think of not being grateful, or when I think of like how I struggle, it's typically, I struggle with the idea of, commit, of contentment, right? Like I want something and I'm not getting it. Or my get it is delayed, right? And so I get frustrated and I start thinking about all the things that are going wrong right? Like we're, we're probably, the, well not probably, we're the most blessed group of people. As I talk about the Western world that we live in that have ever lived. Conveniences, and I say this all the time, but they're everywhere, right? And I think we don't slow down and think about the fast pace with which we live and the level of expectation that goes up to match that. The idea that I'm going to fly you know, if you have a flight that you're supposed to go from here to New York or Seattle and that you're frustrated when you land because it's 11 minutes late, right? Did you, 
like, let's step back 50 years or 100 years and think about that. Like, how was the wagon ride? Did it take you one day or two to put the provisions on the wagon? And like, it didn't all fit, so what did you leave off? And which one of your kids didn't make it on the trip? Really, I mean, that's the reality of 100, 200, 300 years before is this wild land, and yet we fly from here to here, and we get there, and we're frustrated. The other one's like the drive-thru. I'm famous for this, right? Let's say I'm going to McDonald's, and I'm going to get a filet of fish. Is that even a possibility anymore? Well, it should be. So let's say that's, that's what I'm doing, and it's three minutes and 31 seconds, and my, and my, the temperature in my car is starting to rise, right? Because the deal is it's supposed to be three minutes and 30 seconds. If I wanted a gourmet meal, it would have gone somewhere else. Your deal is fast. But like if I step back in time, I didn't have to break a branch off a tree and whittle out a spear and walk down to the stream and stab it, a fish, and make a fire. And you, Do you see what I mean? Like, we just live up here, and I think we have to acknowledge that. If we're going to have grateful hearts, we have to understand we're playing outside the bounds in a lot of ways, and our level of expectation is it's crazy, to be honest with you. So I want you to, let's talk about contentment. And let's look at what Paul said. This is Philippians 4. He said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You all know that verse, I bet. But we're supposed to be grateful and content in all circumstances. Right? And most of my angst and frustration, if I'm honest comes from wanting something I can't have or don't have. And so how do I get from here to there? Well, I think it's important to just tell the Lord what you need. Celia and I took uh, Dave Ramsey um, years ago. And the best part of that, like I wasn't really fired up about going. I kind of went kicking and screaming. Um, I'm not the budgeter in our house. And so, but I went and we finally got on the same page about the things that we wanted and what was an appropriate time frame in which we were going to get them or if we were going to get them at all. And we quit kind of this silent struggle where I was trying to get what I wanted and she was going to get what she wanted and, you know. And we just got on the same page. And so the level of angst went down and I learned to be content with the stuff that I have. And surprisingly, that class is called financial peace. So how do we get there? There's a method found a few verses for this Philippians 4, 12 and 13 and verses six and seven. And for me, this is a way, this is a method. Like sometimes in scripture, you get kind of this idea and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with that, but that sounds good. Well, here's one that like actually for me is a method. Philippians 4, six and seven say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Like, that's what we want, right? Like, that sounds like contentment and being satisfied with where I am. 
to just tell him what we want. Psalm 139 tells me this, that he already knows all my thoughts. So what am I holding back on? Right? And so I just get it on the table. I mean, if you want to know like what I do and how I journal and what, when I get up in the morning and when I'm spending time reading scripture and praying, like sometimes I can't get there. I can't read something and comprehend it until I put my stuff on the table. Lord, I'm thinking about property taxes this morning. And I'm a little stressed out about that. So will you help me put that in proper perspective? Or you know what? There's two or three cars that I'm, I don't, we're probably headed to the shop, right? So Lord, I'm gonna, I, I pray, like I pray about all that stuff. And I just, like I type, I don't write anymore. I type it, I just type it in. And then I begin to think about the people that drive those cars. And I begin to pray for them, right? And all of a sudden, his peace begins to guard my heart and my mind. Do you see how that works? See how good his scripture is to tell me what to do? That I just tell him what I want. I don't hold it back and try to be religious. He already knows I'm broken. And I could talk to him about that. And that's what I love about Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is I can just say these are my needs and wants and desires. And they may be messed up, but this is what's going on in my head. And I need to talk to you about it. And so then I get this promise that his peace guards my heart and mind. And honestly, like, that's the battleground, isn't it? It's our hearts and minds. That's what keeps us from being grateful. That's what causes us to struggle. That's what keeps us from walking in the way that he wants us to go. So where do we start? How do we develop genuine gratitude? Well, as I thought about that, I just can't help but think about this that you and I, if we believe and trust and follow Jesus Christ, we have this glorious hope. And that's where I wanna spend the balance of our time today just talking about. And I wanna look at 2 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11 and 15 through 18. And then we're gonna look at a few verses from chapter four that talk about what is ours, okay? And 3, 9 says this. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious. How much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? So what he's talking about, he's talking about how when Moses came down from the hill with the Ten Commandments that he was shining because he'd been in the presence of the Lord, right? And they said, put a veil on your face because we can't look at you. So he's reflecting the glory of the Lord. And so what Paul's saying is if the old way, those Ten Commandments, the law, was that glorious that we had to cover it with a veil. How much more glorious is this new way that makes us right with him, okay? So then it, we'll pick it back up. In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? And then skip down to 15. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. For the Lord is spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed and reflect the glory of the Lord, or all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Is that good? I think that's good. There's two things I saw in that that I want to be sure you catch. Okay, as Paul describes this new covenant, 
One is that his way and he, the Lord, they're glorious. Like sometimes I think we forget that, that we're, when we, have, we pray in our room or whatever, or at our table or wherever we spend time with the Lord, like he's, like he's supernatural. He's glorious. And his way, like he's shining through us. And I think we just get in the humdrum and we, we miss that sometimes. Like when Moses was actually in his presence, he physically was transformed. In the same way that I talked about when I begin to pray with the Lord and talk to him in the morning, that like the junk goes away and he begins to fill me up. Like that's what you can expect of him when you spend time with him. And that his glory is incredible. And we get to just step into that. The other thing is there's a transformation that's going on. We're being changed into his image. Right? I love this quote from the Blue Book about Henry Nouwen, and it talks about, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, um, I sat down to spend an hour with the Lord, and I thought about what I should write about and who I was frustrated with, and if they said something to me, what I was going to say back to them. And then I thought about somebody else, and he kind of goes down this rabbit trail of what he thought about. And he goes, and then the hour's up. And I thought, well, that was a waste of time. But the funny thing was, after 30, 60, or 90 of those wasted times, that I was changed. Like the Lord had done something in me. And so it's this like, just, if I could encourage you, is just steal some time away with him. That's where I believe our heart begins to change and we begin to become more and more grateful. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians 4 in verse 6. and talks a little bit more about this glorious hope that we have and what it means for us right now. Six through 10 say, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of the Lord that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that the, our great power is from God and not ourselves. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Those suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Have you ever noticed, like you have people in your life that just want to be around you, and you're thinking, I don't know why they want to spend time with me. It's this you, you have the light of Christ shining in you and they see it and there's something different about you and they want to be around you, right? And something glorious is going on in all of us. Not like, well, I don't know, Tom, like I, I got to get some stuff. Not, no, that's not how it works. Like when we invite him in, he goes to work. We own a piece of that, no question, but he's at work in us, Right? So I was listening to a message by Louis Giglio a couple weeks ago, and he talked about um, the David, right? The famous sculpture by Michelangelo. And that when Michelangelo was asked about it, Michelangelo's comment was, I didn't, like, I was just a tool in God's belt. Like, I, the Lord did that thing, right? He just used me to hammer and chisel. But that, like, when I saw the block, like, I just felt like the Lord worked through me and made that thing, right? And so each one of us is this beautiful creation, right? That the Lord is doing something. 
It's what it says in Scripture, right? That we have this light, this brilliant light shining through us, fragile clay jars. But he is hammering away. And he is knocking off the stuff that needs to be knocked off in me and in you. And I think a lot of times when the hammer and chisel come, we're like, Lord, take it away. Like, I don't want that. But he's accomplishing something for us that has an eternal purpose, right? Doesn't it help to know the masters at work, right? And so whatever you have going on, to think about it different, not like it's the struggle I just want you to take away, but what are you doing? What are you accomplishing in me? What are you, what are you shaping me to be? so that I can shine all the brighter for you, right? Like that gives me a sense of joy in trials, like James talks about in chapter one. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, right? Like all kinds of trials. Physical trials, emotional trials, spiritual trials, just whatever, right? In the face of all that, I can have joy because I know that you're just knocking stuff off that doesn't need to be there, right? And he's bringing us to a place that we will shine for him. So let's look at the last few verses of that chapter, 2 Corinthians 4. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. It's glorious, right? Like, the Lord is doing a glorious work. Like you could, if you're like me, I think I can see it in him. Yeah, the Lord's doing something awesome in him. Like, right? Or I could see it in her. The Lord's doing something, that's crazy. Like look how she shines for the Lord. But you can't deny that he's doing something in you. Right? Because it's, it's not about you or me, it's about him. And that he's doing these things. He's, He's put this light shining in our heart and he's transforming us day by day, circumstance by circumstance. And, and that all of the stuff that we see will be gone and we'll stand with him face to face. Remember we talked about a couple weeks ago that we're supposed to fix our eyes on the things of heaven. And so that's where like, I think it helps us to move to a place of gratitude is to consider, to consider him and his glory and what he's accomplishing in us. You can see that this brilliant heavenly light that like physically leaked out onto Moses is still, it's as much of a spiritual fact now as it was then, right? Like the Lord's glory hasn't diminished. And so that's what's shining in you and that's what's shining in me. And we can be thankful that we have this unearned, undeserved, just granted glorious hope. And that's what I want you to think about this week. Like if you get some downtime, get some downtime. Take it, right? Your boss is probably not gonna give it to you, so take it. 
But I want you to think about this glorious hope that we have. And I want you to ask yourself, what does it look like for me to be grateful? Maybe you need to reread these verses, this scripture, and think about this glorious hope that you have. Or consider, like, I, I like to think, like, what were you doing 10 years ago? And what has the Lord done in the last 10 years? Right? And are you doing what you thought you would be doing? I'm not, by the way. Um, but can't you see the glory of the Lord and how he's moved? And so let's start, like, let's release a little bit of what we're holding on so tight and trust that he's going to take us, that his, script, his word tells us he's going to take us to a place that's more glorious than we are right now. That's who he is. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today so grateful for this glorious hope that you've given to us. Lord, grateful for this community, for my friends that are here, but we don't want to miss your glory and that you shine through all of us. None of us are the exception because you're perfect and complete. And it's your work and it was your blood. And for that, Lord, we just want to say thank you. We want to start our thanks right there. Lord, I just pray for each of these folks here. I pray that you would give them a true week of slow pace of gratefulness and thankfulness and sweet time with family to be able to express gratitude to one another. Lord, bless my friends, each one of us, as we go through this week. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.